Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Teas and Conversations where it's warm and friendly all year round. I am Blessing and I'm here to do life with you. We're coming to the end of November, the men's month, and that means, sadly, that this is our last episode in the men's month series that we've been running the entire month. In the last episode, I talked to my older brother, Happy, about adulting and what that means for the men, the pressures, and what the fuss is about. You know, having it all figured before you turn 30. We also tackled toxic masculinity, a trait some men have. While some men might be oblivious of the fact that they are toxic, others are straight out toxic and are not afraid to show it. We are changing that one conversation at a time. Because, you know what, besides extending help to the men that possess toxic masculinity traits to create a behavioral change amongst them, we're also helping those around them to become aware of such traits and make informed decisions, even if that means bolting <laughs> or leaving a much-desired relationship. Today, we carry these important conversations forward, and I'm joined by... <laughs> I'm joined by my brother-in-law. It's starting to sound like a family thing, but I, I promise you, it's really not. It's really not. The whole essence is we are creating a community and a sense of family here, right? Anyway, I'm talking to my brother-in-law, Eric Achere, who will tell us more about himself. But from what I've gathered, he's a teacher. He's really good with children. He's an artist. He illustrates and paints. He's a husband and a minister in church. He's also a good man. So I'm just going to give him his flowers while he can still smell them. Eric and I have three things in common, I would like to believe. One, we both love Jesus. Two... <laughs> <laughs> we love to analyze movies, even when that doesn't make sense sometimes <laughs> to the people around us. I know I say three, but yeah, I think we're going to make them four. We are both fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And finally, we are both related to Sharon. In this episode, we're talking adulting for men. Yes, because that conversation is endless. How religion can have negative effects on us and in the long run can foster toxic traits. But also, we're looking at the beauty in taking charge of your life. Welcome to Tears and Conversations. Who are you? I'm a son of God. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-mm, there has to be more than that. Yeah, well, you went ahead and described almost everything about me. So, you know, it's kind of tricky to add on to what you've mentioned. <laughs> so, in short, you're saying I gave a bombastic, fantastic introduction of you. Hands down, yeah. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, I know of the record we I asked you if you had watched No Time to Die, and mm. uh, it was such a bummer because you haven't. But at least you've watched Dune and Shang-Chi, among mm. other movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I promise there is a reason I am telling you all of this. I'm but listening. For, for those of you that don't know, No Time to Die is the 20th film in the James Bond series, and it stars Daniel Craig in his fifth and final outing as the fictional British MI-16 agent, James Bond. Yeah, I know, I guess. When you're not working, Eric, you do spend time watching movies, for real, or playing video games. Has your wife ever lodged a complaint about this? Yes, she has. At one point, she asked me, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? You see, here's the reality about about uh, life, for example, in marriage. Science also tells us this, that opposites attract. If you know Sharon, she's not into video games at all. She doesn't get it. She does not. Me, on the other hand, 
when I play a video game, being the artist that I am, I'm looking at the character designs, I'm looking at the story, I'm looking at the kind of world they've created. So when I'm playing and I'm immersed in the game, I'm just trying to, to also borrow a leaf from there so that when I create my characters, it follows, uh, it, it I've borrowed a leaf from some of these amazing things. Believe you me, if you look at video games now and for the past 10 years, they've been copycats of something older. And that's the reality about art. So. Mm. Okay, and and I would like to believe, because I know Sharon, but I know her as my sister. I don't know her as your partner. Yeah? So, and, and I think that there is a difference in how the two of us relate with her. Um, when she lodged that complaint, how were you able to communicate with her to make her understand that in fact you as a matter of fact you're not taking attention from her but there is a reason and it's very valid as to why you spend time doing what you're doing which looks like leisure which is leisure we didn't finish that conversation to date yeah Sharon, i would is. love to have you <laughs> i would love to, to hear from you and if if you don't mind i would love to um have a, a recording with you and yeah, we put this issue to rest once and for all and I'm, I'm certainly going to reach out to her. Actually, <laughs> let me call her. Let me call her. Now, now? Yeah, now. Let's call Sharon and see what she has to say about her husband's, you know, love for movies. And video games. And video games. And anime. And anime. Which she calls cartoons. Mm. I'm kidding. No, Nene. she does. Eric's angel is working full time. I'm actually not pleased right now. Anyways, we're unable to get Sharon, but I will still follow up with her and see what she has to say about her husband <laughs> spending time doing the things we're talking about. Anyway, Eric, you got married by your thirtieth year, if I can. Thirty first. Thirty first year. Is this something you'd envisioned from your early twenties? And was it in any way? As a result of social influence or religious pressure that you should that should you want to be with someone's daughter you'd better put her in it no i wouldn't call it religious pressure but uh, i think this is where a lot of people get it wrong when it comes to knowledge from church one of the things that church provides is actually accountability they create for you a room to be accountable for your life church is family at the end of the day so when i saw it was it, when i saw my life from from in hindsight that was at uh, i was about 20 years old i thought to myself hmm, when will i ever get married fast forward to about three years later i realized i would like to i would love to get married when i'm like say 27 or 28 or even luckily 25 but it didn't happen but that's because i had a lot of growing up to do i had a lot of things to learn and these things I learned from church, for example, how to uh, basic, basic basic manhood, for example, how to respect ladies, how to respect those around you. When you when you look at ladies, you don't look at you don't look at another woman. You don't look at a woman. You're looking at, in God's eyes, a queen. How do you respect a queen? What kind of respect do you give her? I had to learn that over time, and that's how my growth toward my vision to be married came in. And I also learned that you don't just get someone out of the blue and just marry her. The Lord must reveal to you that this is the person you ought to be with. And the beauty about it is he doesn't reveal to you in some supernatural way like he does in the Bible. 
For some people he does, but for many people he shows you a trait of that woman that is attractive to you. That trait could be something that only her, she's the only one who has amongst a group of women. But that one trait about her is what drives you toward her. And that is how I saw Sharon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Basically you're saying that you found yourself very literally you found yourself when when you got directly involved with the church and understanding um what god is vision for you as say a partner or a husband in the future looked like that's so right. you worked on yourself that's right how would you compare yourself now to the guy um 10 years ago that you were in terms of relating can someone today stand and say that guy when we were dating i had the worst relationship with him I know for a fact that for me, uh, during my dating process, there is someone who is going to outrightly stand and say, that girl, as good as she was, she was poor at communicating, and she was poor at communicating efficiently. Because you can communicate all you want. If you're not communicating with the intention for someone to know what you're exactly you're communicating, then you're doing nothing. Mm. So someone can say, our relationship failed because I was poor at communication. Something I have since worked on going forward because i realized it was going to keep costing me if i didn't work on it so for you 10 years ago mm. how have you evolved what are um. some of the traits you have had to to shade off actually let me just put it that way the things you've had to shade off to prepare yourself or to make yourself a better person for your partner whoever that partner was because you didn't know at the time but you were preparing yourself for someone else's involvement with with you in the future Mm. What are some of the things you shared? Well, for starters, let me mention that I really, really sucked at communication. I still suck at communication, but I'm not as bad as I was back then. I mean, there's been a significant Im- improvement in my communication skills. There's still room for growth. I mean, if you ask Sharon, my queen, she'll tell you that guy sucks. But I am better than what I used to be back then. The other thing I did is I chose to surround myself among men. You see, the thing is, uh, the Bible says bad character corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. But you know that the, the the reverse is true. Good characters will corrupt bad morals. Because at the end of the day, when you spend time with people who are like-minded, or better yet, who are far much ahead of you in, in life, you begin to attract their nature in you. Mm-hmm. The same Bible tells you in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpens iron, as a man's countenance sharpens another. So... What it means simply is the more time you spend with, for example, in this case, married responsible men, there's a way your standard and your way of thinking also begins to adjust. You begin to think that, you know what, if this is how I want to be, this is how I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. For example, when my wife send, gives me a call, I, I saw this with some of my friends who are married. These guys, when their wives call, they scatter, they go, they receive their call, then they come back and it's the wife, then they go. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. she has called them to go home. Oh my God. I, I, sorry, I have to interject because when happy and i were having our conversation we're talking about things that men think make them weak mm. as men and i gave an example of a guy hanging out with his friends the wife calls him and he comes back to tell his boys hey i think my night out has come to an end the wife he just called and the example here is the people around him will be like your wife just called you and you you are leaving as in your wife a woman just called you and you're abandoning a boy's night out and you're leaving bro that is insane that is weak you have to show who you are you're the man Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then i was giving that as an example of toxicity 
and that some people don't realize how toxic that can be yeah it already shows how you're holding a woman the regard that you hold the woman so when you mentioned that as happy because it was coming from you unbiased and discussed so yeah i'm just pleased really with mm-hmm. myself okay and in fact just to add on to that if you think about it the most manly person that ever walked this earth was the lord jesus christ the bible tells you that husbands love your wives as christ loved the church when you call jesus christ for help he comes running to help mm. so what about you the man mm. are you going to try to tell me that you who is not as manly as the lord jesus christ is less of a man when you when you come and receive a call no it actually shows that your 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 regard for her is coming from a point of responsibility it shows your 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 desire to 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 improve yourself one but it also shows that you take what you you take your life seriously you take your your marriage seriously yeah. so for me one thing i don't like is sucking up to the status quo of how this is our person should be this is how a person should be no i live my life i was born alone and i'm going to die alone okay no one helped me find my queen only god revealed her to me <laughs> so no one tells me how i should live with her because at the end of the day my marriage is not yours the way you live in your marriage is different from mine yeah. because your woman is different from mine so the way she answers to you is different from the way my queen answers to me so whatever works in your house won't necessarily work in my house those are a few things that i learned growing up i would see these men the wife calls like you know what? the wife has called he would go home without even wasting time those are a few traits i've learned sometimes sharon would call me when i'm coming home let's say 7 30 she would call me where are you i'm like i would tell her i'm about to reach home i'm about to reach home and you know it, it became a, because you have to be accountable to her at the end of the day where are you but the same should also be expected of her yes. on your side when you yes. call and ask her where are you she ought to tell you where she is if she doesn't tell you then there's a problem yeah if she doesn't tell you where she is but she expects you to tell her where you are then there's a problem that's when now you, you begin to assert yourself and expect her to understand that if i'm going to tell you where i am you ought to tell me where you are yeah Okay, um I also want to just add that um some people might misinterpret what I said earlier and say but you know that could also be traits of a toxic woman who is controlling if they call their husband and they're like yo it's time to come back home and the husband abides it could be signs of a controlling wife you know which in itself is by the way very toxic behavior on the side of the woman so while we are talking on one side we are not absolving toxic women of their behavior mm. if you find yourself in a state where your wife is actually controlling then they are asking for accountability that's a whole discussion altogether like it's it's different and proper communication should be had so to the women who might take advantage of this episode and be like ha you see the man on that episode was was pro us you know telling our husbands man come home come home no no no, no. there are ways that you can talk to your husband that mm. you can communicate efficiently and effectively and with intention if your intention is pure and you're just concerned that your husband is staying out later than he he had intended to do because i would like to assume that when your husband or your partner is going to go out he's going to tell you hey i intend to go out for about two to three hours um yeah and i'll be home before 10 yeah now when it gets to 10 and you haven't heard from him and you call him to find out hey what's up are you on your way yet are you coming you haven't communicated that's different from hey you see every time you go out with your boys you come back later than you know whatever you know 
that's a different scenario altogether. Mm. And that's what I wanted to put out to correct that if you're a woman and you have traits of control, what is it called? Control issues. Yeah, you have control issues. You're a control freak to your partner. Mm. I'm just really encouraging you to check yourself as well. Utilize this discussion and check those um, habits that people have been complaining about. Mm, that's yeah, right. Yeah, check them. And uh, because if, if left unchecked, it can have detrimental effects on how you relate with people and you might end up alone. And that goes for the men as well. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You're still listening to Tizen Conversations and I'm talking to Eric Achire. Achire. I don't know why you're Englishizing the name Achire. 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 Not Achire. Sharon says Achire. Anyways, um, speaking of religion, do you think that some religious beliefs can foster and I think I'm going to be <laughs> crucified for this, but mm-hmm. do you think some religious beliefs can foster toxicity among people, among men? And if you think they do, what are some of those beliefs you think are encouraging toxic behavior in the church? Let's talk about the church, because that's what both you and I know. We don't mm. know about you know, other religions, really. Hmm. I'm not so sure I know any. Are you serious? Yeah. I'll name one. Mm-hmm. You cannot date within the church if you don't have intentions to marry. I'm just going to quote an article. It's okay. going to provide insight. Okay. So to quote an article I found online, to blindly follow a religious or any other ideology simply means to restrict your perception, suppress your thoughts and emotions, and live in hypocrisy. In other words, to live in pain and misery. If you're blindly following religious beliefs. Wow. Okay. For starters, Christianity is not a religion. Let's first put that on out what of there. It? It's a relationship with God. Okay. When you're called, in fact, the word Christian was created by a pagan in the Bible. When they saw how the people of Christ, the other people who followed Christ behaved, they behaved like the Lord Jesus Christ. So he called them Christians. But the Bible describes Christianity as the relationship between Christ and the church. When you look at uh, the Bible, I even quoted one earlier on, uh, the book of Ephesians tells you, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. In other words, how does, what kind of relationship does Christ have? Yes, fine, we bow down, we worship him and everything like that. That's true. Now, he is not our master necessarily. In fact, he tried to blur that line by saying, we are, you're not, I'm not your master, you're not my, you're not my servant, you're actually my friend. Because a friend is better than a servant. A friend will do anything for you. A servant will do something because, you know what, it's what I'm told to do. It's what I'm obligated to do. It's what I'm, I'm, I'm the slave to this. Oh, it's what I've been paid to do. But the friend will do it out of the volition of his own heart. Like, I have to do this for him, man. This guy has always been there for me. That being said, back to dating yes. within the church. Yes. First of all, if you're going to date someone, irrespective of whether they're in the church or outside the church, if you, if you don't have any intentions of marrying them, I, I think it's wise you just you know back away. Okay. Okay. That's why the best route for knowing someone is through friendship. Most people, at least the ones who I've seen with lasting relationships, have known people as friends first. Sharon was my friend first. I didn't see a wife in her first. I saw a friend. But as time went on, my eyes began to open that this is actually someone I can spend the rest of my life with. And that is how it works. It comes, it comes from that growth in your relationship. Let's work on the assumption that you and Sharon had not gotten married. Um, and I can't say God forbid because you got married. So 
it ended happily. Um, what are the chances that one or both of you would have been looked or frowned upon by the church if the church realized you were dating mm-hmm. but you were not married? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, because I've had sense. people say that that is the, a part of the church that they, that they don't seem to understand. They don't agree with the fact that the church frowns upon people who are dating or if a girl got pregnant in church by a minister or another, you know, church goer, I'm not going to say Christian, mm. but another church goer to that same church, they are frowned upon because you're right now you're looked at as sinners who have deviated from what the good book says. Mm. So, and that in the end, it, it can have its toll on someone's mental health mm. because the church is supposed to be a place of refuge where we go um you know for fellowship talk to people talk to people about the goodness of god about forgiveness about the grace about etc now if i don't feel welcomed in church because of something that i have done or failed to do as a human being i feel like that in one way or the other you know has a negative effect mm. on me mm. and in the long run on other mm. people that have seen what is happening That's to right. me yeah That's right. so i had wanted to pick your brain on that mm. because one you're a minister in church two mm. you're now married but let's look outside of of, of marriage and okay. just look at the things that the church condemns <laughs> okay i understand perfectly yeah. okay let's look at first of all what you're calling dating what you're describing as dating is actually, in my mind, from the very description of everything you're mentioning, is actually cohabiting. Yes, the church is against cohabiting because, first of all, you're not being accountable to the church. One, the church says that if there's someone you love, Beyonce like, uh, copies and says, put a ring on it. If you like it, put a ring on it. So, before you choose to spend the rest of your life or before you choose to move in together with that person, I mean, it's okay for you to be in your relationship but when that person stays at their home and you stay at your home but get to know each other outside mm. the out, outside uh, away from home get to know each other be, be friends relate fine you're dating yes just get to know each other who what makes her tick what makes me tick yeah yeah but don't do things that married people are supposed to do for example have kids and 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 live together in the same house because what happens when god forbid you truly realize you do not have the same relationship you yeah. don't have what same you're looking intentions. for yeah yeah then you break up and god forbid she's pregnant now you get into you find your so-called life partner you marry her but you have a a stepchild yeah what happens god forbid when that stepchild cannot get along with your yeah, lady your god forbid mm. i've seen cases where stepchildren now are open with with that with the with the current wife yeah. or step uh, the the current uh, husband i thank god that those those cases are there because the lord our god is a god of restoration mm. so many times when that happens when someone when that case happens let's say they are cohabiting and they have children um it's not the church's work to condemn you this i'm going to speak for the church as a son of god it's not the church's work to condemn you because love covers a multitude of sin. What the church will do is come and sit you down and have a conversation with you. Do you intend to marry her? Not just spending your life, the rest of your lives together. Or better yet, why don't you just come and we do this? Let's, let's marry you together because you have to be accountable to God. Marriage is God's design. We answer to God. If we do not do things God's way, then we are lying to ourselves, one, and we are lying to God. So... What happens is, and I've seen cases like this. Uh, there's a friend of mine who's a pastor, and in his church, there was a case where 
a couple actually was cohabiting. I think they had kids afterwards. So the, they, they went and told the pastor. So the pastor said, no, you have to go and apologize in front of the church. No. Ah, let me finish. So they, of course, they saw they saw the negative impact. That, oh, they're oh going to look at goodness. us and say, this is wrong. How can these people do this and what? So the pastor sat them down and said, look, you guys are ministers in the church. You ought to be accountable to these people. It was a mistake that you guys went on like this. Yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, when you are accountable to people, you're actually going to restore people who are living that very life. That if you, the ministers, set the right example and face your responsibilities and live up to your and face and and um face the music face the consequences of your actions you're actually showing the people who are living this life that you know what we ought to change the way we think the way we we the way we 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 behave Mm -hmm. because of that so that encourage that 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 pastor's explanation made sense to that couple to the point where the couple was even looking forward to standing in front of the church and saying guys you know what we have made this mistake and we are standing in front of you to humbly apologize to you people who listen to us that we do not we, this is not how we are supposed to live we are supposed to live better than this we are supposed to live by god's grace when they did that people who are actually living that kind of life began to change now there is always going to be naysayers people are going to <laughs> those people cohabit those people those so-called uh, open, those guys who have the biggest mouth, the biggest mouths in the church, they are always going to be there. It's unavoidable. They are going to talk as much as they want, but you know what? At the end of the day, in your life, not everyone is going to love you. Yeah. Not everything you do will please everyone. Mm. Some people are just going to hate you because you know they just hate you. They are just downright yeah. sick in the head. So when these people did that, actually, it transformed the people who are in the church. There are those who are living that kind of life, and they had to adjust. The way they live because at the end of the day it's a standard of living it's 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 a, it, you're setting an example the bible says it's supposed to be the salt and light of the of the world so what happens when you're living the way the world ought to live where cohabiting is okay moving in together is okay if the world does it that way what does god say genesis chapter 2 a man shall leave his father's house and his mother's house and go with his wife and the two shall become one it says wife it doesn't say girlfriend <laughs> Right now, all the girlfriends listening into this episode. Hi, <laughs> how is that going for you? I'm joking. If that guy <laughs> likes you, you better put a ring um, in. It. But uh, I love what um, Eric is talking about because one, it drives intentional dating, and the older I grow, the more I appreciate how important it is for someone to pursue you with intention. Exactly. And it feels different from someone who says, "Hey, um." I really like you and um, I would love for us to give this a shot and see where it goes. That's one phrase I don't like. Let's see where, let's it, goes. where it goes. I have been there. I've done that. Uh, the, let's see where it goes. And it did. We saw where it went. You know, it ended in premium tears huh. paid for fully. But I also understand why the people you were talking about did what they did. And I can see from their point of view, now I'm first going to forget the church that they apologized to, and I'm going to look at them and how what they did can set them free. Hmm. And usually, as human beings, when we make mistakes, we have a way of brooding Hmm. over something that we have done Hmm. and beat ourselves up every passing day. For example, mm. if that couple had not openly talked about what you know what happened mm. and and what they did wrong, 
they would wake up every day and afraid to go back to church mm. you live in shame you live under you're hiding mm. you're hiding because you don't want people to know what you have done because ha oh my god how will the world the world react to you know mm. what the, mm. the men or people of god have done mm. but also what they did set them free it set them free so much mm. that the world has nothing against them anymore because for you to openly talk about what you did but also encourage other people or discourage other people not to do it mm. and share the implications of what those actions can be mm. i think that it has it has its it, it has a greater impact i think that the impact is greater than the shame and i'm putting the shame in quotes mm-hmm. of people finding out so yeah i do believe that while some people say that church can foster a few quotes weird things of when and we're not allowed to date rather how dare you expect us to get married if we don't date you know mm. i understand why you would say that christians for that matter there should be a difference in the way of life mm. from people mm. of the world mm. and i can say that how do you think that our upbringing or how we were raised can impact on the people that we later become in life the bible again says train up a child in the way that they should, should go, go so that they may not never, never depart You see the Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. Yeah. So what is the way? When you choose to live an accountable life in front of your children, when your children see how much you love mommy or how much you love daddy, the kind of love you show to the children themselves. You see children are a monkey see monkey do type of people. They will never do as you say. They will always do as you do. do yeah. So when you see a man, when you see a man who fights a lot, it's because his dad fights a lot. When you see a man who is abusive or has anger issues, look back at the parents. The impact of your upbringing is seen from the way you behave. Mm. If you're one who likes keeping to himself, it's because your parents love keeping things to themselves. Mm. They've created some kind of trust issues on uh, amongst themselves. So basically, if you want to look at the way you were brought up, look at how you behave now. And look uh, look back at how your parents behaved in front of you. You will see it. Yeah. So yes, your childhood it has a very very powerful impact on who you become in the future. Mm. The beauty about it is this is where I love the church is when you have an opportunity like for example me I didn't have a father. You know, I had father figures who showed me a few things left right and center. But as I grew up when I became more active in the church, I found more father figures who would sit me down and give me counsel, who would give me encouragement, who would show me the kind of direction i ought to go as a man who is one day going to be a father and a husband mm. so the beauty about it is i found a fa- i found father figures in the church who encouraged me in fact on the wedding day some of them were there in fact one of them actually led me into the other called confessions the vows sorry the vows, yeah. the vows. <laughs> one of them was leading me through the vows <laughs> and of course they were happy seeing that eric Our 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 son. our son is now finally becoming a husband. Yeah. It was their joy because at the end of the day it means what they are doing is working. So at the same time also we I would see how they behave with their wives and I would tell myself this is what I want to do. Even at my workplace I'm a school teacher. I told the people the men in that in in the in the school that all of you men who are married my my vision right now my current objective is to emulate you to be like you. All those men who are married in at my school have are fathers and husbands. Yeah. They are fathers. So the way they treat their children, I've seen how their children behave. My boss 
the way his son behaves his son is an emulation of of who, who he the is. Man is. Yeah. Exactly. The man the fa- the son works hard. The son pushes himself because he has seen his father do all that. So I told them this is what I want to do also. I want to build just like you. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of having such people around you. When say God forbid you've had a life where you 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 you, you are missing a parent in your childhood. Yeah. So when you grow up, this is how God works. That's how he restores you. He knows that you've had this tough childhood, but he will find a way of surrounding you with the people whom you're going to need to help you grow into the kind of man he desires to see in you. Okay. Um, so this is you emphasizing the importance of father figures. That's right. Whether it's your biological father or not, mm. men do have a very significant role to play in molding the people that are going to make a later generation. That's right. And and we're also saying that if you grew up in a toxic environment, chances are that unless unless along the way you have made different company, yeah, or you have sought help, mm. and you've been told that the things you saw your father do as a child are not healthy and are not good, and that you shouldn't emulate that kind of man, even if they're your father, chances are if you are going to be like them mm. if mm. you don't get the help. That's right. What do you think? makes a man what makes a man what makes a man and and this question comes out of the of conversation i've had with men where they're like i am not a man if i don't have this much money in my account a man a man should have this much by this age a man a man is one that is married you know a proper marriage um monogamous with children a nuclear family a man is um, one that stands his ground in the face of adversity or one that stands his ground if the wife was <laughs> mm. if the wife was accusing them of, of, of anything a man is one that doesn't apologize me a man I can't apologize apologize for what I am a man have mm. you had those have you had people use those phrases mm-hmm. because I have and each time I'm amazed at how people think or the things that people think make them who they are so Oh, maybe we could ask a personal one. A personal one. What do you think makes you a man? Hmm. For starters, the way other people view you at the end of the day sometimes makes you a man. However, like I said earlier on, don't don't be afraid to stand up to the status quo. So most times, because it's a double-edged sword that I'm saying, mm. most times when people see me and call me, think of me as less than a man, less less of a man. Um, I look at them and say, by whose standards? Is it your standard or my standard? Because at the end of the day, this is where now the Christian part comes in. Mm. When God looks at you, what does he see? So that is how you begin to open your eyes to, for example, your, your, your view as you as a man. I've seen boys who are married. I've seen boys who have billions in their accounts. I've seen boys who have children. I've seen boys who, who stand up to adversity. But I've seen men also who are not well off. I've seen men who who do not have families. I've seen men who do not um, have children or wives or whatever. So what stills, what stands them out from the rest is first of all their behavior. The kind of respect he shows people around him. Forget about the way he walks but the way he just thinks, the way he behaves. There are certain behavioral patterns that men have that are not common in other in in this case boys 
Okay? I've seen boys with big beards. By this I mean men, boys who are 30 years old and above. <laughs> who should be men. Who should be men. <laughs> so, in this case, one, accountability is one thing that makes you a man. You're not afraid to say, I am sorry, I've messed up here. That makes you a man in many ways than people can even describe. In, contrary to popular belief, being apologetic of a mistake you've made makes you a man. Respecting those around you. You see, respect, you know this, is earned. It's not what? It's not commanded. It's not demanded. Yeah. It is earned. I command respect. Respect me. Respect my house. No. The way you respect others, that respect will be returned to you. So, a man is described by, for example, and some of these are old school statements, for example, his word is his bond. If he says, I am coming at two, you ought to be there by two. When I was speaking to my pastors, what made them men was the way they responded to me. When I made a mistake, they never once yelled at me. They would come and sit me down and say, okay, now this is what we do. This is how we avoid this. On the introduction, I didn't tell you this. I never had a chance to share with you, but there was, I had a lot of issues. But and and people were calling me, insulting me, telling me, "What are you? What are you doing? Come and do this. Come and do this." But my stepfather, married man with his kids, called me and said, "Okay, so now what do we do? So let us try doing this and that and this and that." That set him apart from all the men around. I was also getting frustrated, but my father, even my boss, my boss went for the introduction. They found ways of looking for solutions to sort the situation that is ahead of them. They didn't bat heads with me. Yeah. That they are made for, for me opened my eyes to that the fact that these are men now. They have a standard with the way they think, but they don't let their emotions get the best of them. Yeah. The men I know are not afraid to be vulnerable with other men. Yes. I'm not saying all the time, but when the time Do is you mean needed. Not all the time. Oh, that I mean, you can there are times vulnerable. Listen, feel, you, you have to be free to be vulnerable. It's okay because you are being allowed to feel things. Exactly, not all the time. Please keep going. Because this is what I mean by that. Yeah. There's that element of being stoic mm. when you stand firm in front of a situation. Imagine you breaking down to all that time. Ah, this problem comes. You start breaking down. Ah, come on. I don't know how to handle this. Ah, nah, nah, nah. Every single time, really, that makes you a wuss. But when the problem, what, but when many problems come your come your way and you say, okay, we shall handle this. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at the visual of it. Like, exactly. No, you're, you're a crybaby. That's what you turn into. Yeah. In this case, a man stands firm in front of the situation. He finds a way of sorting it. But when he sees no way around it, this is the, where the vulnerability comes from. He is not afraid to admit he does not know what to do. That there is a standard that is lacking in many people. They do not want to admit that they are stuck with a the situation. They will always say, ah, I'm going to handle it. I admit I've also had those issues at one point. But many times when I do not know how to do something, I will keep quiet and sit down and find a way of sorting it. If I fail, I will go talk to fellow men and ask, guys, how did you handle this? There's a time I had a fight with, with, with my queen. The next day, I went and spoke with my boss. I, I sat down with him. He gave me he gave me audience because I chose to be vulnerable with him yeah. to, to explain my weakness. He might, but if if you keep your problems to yourself, you'll die in your movie. You'll die alone. There are no solutions. There are no to, solutions to problems that are not shared because I've people shared. can't can't offer solutions to something that they have no idea. Exactly, about. a problem shared is a problem half solved, as they say. That's true. 
you're not afraid to admit that you have failed you're not afraid to admit that you made a mistake that you that you wronged someone yeah. stand firm and face the music mm-hmm. this is my mistake i will face the music don't wait for someone to cover for you those simple simple things that people tend to downplay are actually yeah. what make you a man um and allow me to say this on behalf of most women that we actually hate it when we hear men say oh she did that and that and that oh that's because she's a woman i i you see someone <laughs> and there's a conversation i had with um with crystal crystal newman hmm. um and she gave an example and she said sometimes you're on the road and this is very common everyone has had that right mm. and someone is driving in a very weird way for mm. lack of a better word and you'll hear your co-driver or the passengers in your car say that is a woman yeah mm. only for you to drive by and realize it's a it's a, it's a, it's a man <laughs> it becomes a bit offensive for men to keep saying mm. that's a woman mm. for for every silly simple stupid thing and men and men go that is a woman mm. that is because it's a woman so on behalf of all the women i'm just letting the men out there know that um time is up mm. <laughs> for you to keep it is a woman in gas um over <laughs> over like the silliest things and to just say that women and men make mistakes almost in equal measure because we're all human and mm. we're all bound That's to right. make mistakes mm. anyways um there is something that i wanted us to talk about before mm. we go to the last part of our conversation mm. and that is something that has been misinterpreted or used to the advantage of opportunists mm. and that is the proverbs 31 scripture mm. verse about the virtuous woman yeah mm. How much do you know about it because I have just one question. Quite a bit. Okay. Um when men are looking for wives mm. and I didn't say for women or girlfriends when they're looking for wives That's because right. this is what they say. When men are looking for wives, they're looking for the quote Proverbs 31 woman. Mm. Um Proverbs 31 has its own qualities or virtues that it Mm. imposes on a woman mm. which makes it look like that's the perfect woman for any man who is looking to to marry mm. but what most people don't do is to read the entire chapter and see mm. the other side of the virtuous woman i said it is taken it is used by opportunists to their advantage because they will say those are people who want to keep women in a cocoon mm. they interpret it as that the woman is um submissive the woman is um takes care of her home and there's nothing wrong with that but takes care of her home in the sense that they are burdened with all the domestic chores mm. um the woman listens mm. the woman the woman the woman mm. in the end when you look at all these things the way people interpret that 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 verse it is something that men with toxic behavior can use to their advantage to massage their own insecurities mm. especially if they are threatened by what their wives or their women can do mm. now insecurities in marriages or in relationships on the side of ma- of a man mm. have you come across those maybe in conversation with your peers where they like me i cannot marry a woman who has more money than I, than i do yet the whole point for me would be yo if you got a woman who has more than more money than you did 
there's a huge advantage to that you're you're pulling resources together as a couple as partners for life and you should be able to do things together so what do you mean you cannot marry a woman who has more money than you and you feel the need to lay them off Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is there anything you could say about such behavior? Also, I wanted us to read the Proverbs thirty-one mm-hmm. because I'm just like exhausted from what people. <laughs> okay, if you read <laughs> it, interpret it as. If you read it, eh? yeah, that woman is a beast. Thank you, thank you so much. I took my time to read. My friend Winnie and I, um, we were in the field, so we had enough time pass and we sat to look at the proverbs 31 woman and i can't believe for the first time in my life i was like whoa wait what yeah the proverbs 31 woman is nothing like what some men have been telling us Mm. you know and this is where i encourage people to read the bible because honestly no one is going to interpret okay i mean there are people who will interpret this the the right way but i mean if you really want to learn Besides listening to your favorite pastor, take time to read the word. Mm. We're going to just read in part, not the whole thing. But I'm encouraging you to read the whole thing. I know people are like, shut. We know that. Okay, and, and I'm just reading from Enochi. Good News Bible. Mm. How hard it is to find a capable wife. She's worth far more than jewels. Her husband puts his confidence in her and he will never be poor. As long as she lives, she does him good. And never harm. She keeps herself busy making wool and linen clothes. Now, this is one of the parts. Job. That is... <laughs> That's a job. This is one of the parts that people misinterpret. Mm-hmm. You get. Mm. Okay. We keep going. She brings home food from out of the way places as merchant ships do. She gets up before daylight to prepare food for her family and to tell her servant women what to do. This is another line that people misinterpret and are like, you're lazy if you if you don't get up before daylight Mm. yeah Mm. and then but people also forget the part where this line says she tells her servant women what to do she's not dying in chores Mm. and in this case i would like to interpret help in form of a partner as well you can do these things together your wife doesn't have to die in the kitchen in the house in the in the cleaning outside in the taking the children to school in bringing the children from this just because she's a woman Mm She looks at land and buys it. And with money she has earned, she plants a vineyard. She's a hard worker, strong and industrious. She knows the value of everything she makes and works late into the night. She spins her own thread and weaves her own cloth. She's generous to the poor and the needy. She doesn't worry when it snows because her family has warm clothing, etc., etc., etc. Her husband is well known, one of the leading citizens. She speaks with a gentle wisdom. She's strong and respected and not afraid of the future. And it goes on and on and on. What is the weirdest misinterpretation or misconception you've had about the Proverbs 31 woman? I'm proud to say I've not heard any. Huh. I thank God because of the company I keep. Huh. It's because of the company I keep. Okay. Yeah. So, that being said, if you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, Yeah. It's actually a very apt description of what the church ought to be. Yes. Because at the end of the day, like I said earlier on, the church is the bride of Christ. A bride is a woman, not a man. Yeah. So the way the church behaves is supposed to be seen in the book of Proverbs 31. Yeah. Remove the woman and put the church. Read one of those lines and we put sh- the church. We shouldn't interpret as literally as it appears. All the time. Now this is the part where, most importantly, 
mm-hmm. where they say a candle doesn't go out by night. Eh? Mm-hmm. It's basically talking of, for example, if a man has been working all day and he comes home, she takes over from evening. Now, if the man has had a long day and God forbid, whatever, mm-hmm. and he comes home, there, she's now responsible of covering for him. Let's say in the house, looking after him. Mm-hmm. Did you arrive well? Did you, how was work? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Would you like some water to bathe? Now she's taking over from, in her, the, husband. from her husband. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To give him time to what? To, to rest. Mm-hmm. That's why it says that her candle doesn't go out by night. All those are descriptions of what the church is supposed to be yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So when you look at Proverbs 31, you ought to see the church in that description. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that we are coming to a point where we have to stop to stop um, using the Bible. For your benefit. For your benefit. Yes. I think that that's the best way to put it. We need to stop using the Bible for benefit or taking advantage of the things, the words that were written intended for good to twist them to serve your own agenda your lustful desires okay. yeah um we're coming to the last part of our episode eric and i have a few questions and um let's go when was the last time you cried and why hmm. except for spiritual anointing when my aunt passed away that was in 2011 so my aunt used to i think work near my school so she would be down to take me to school every single day pick me from school everything when i was going when i was going up country when i was going to the village and my mom couldn't make it, it would be me and my aunt so the bond i had with her was powerful that when she passed away it it's it hit me really hard yeah and at that time i was studying in malaysia and everyone is home so they are they, everyone is mourning on this side i can't even have a chance to go and yeah so, so you, you, you couldn't grieve with the rest of the people who shared exactly the, the pain i'm sorry for your loss Oh yes, and uh, the other one was when there's a friend, there's a there's a family. They lost their youngest son in an accident. We couldn't co- we couldn't control our emotions that day. It was it was really tough on us because this like this is a kid I knew, the kid I play around with, joke around with. But when was this? That was like tw- I think 2015. Okay. Yeah. So that's the last time you cried. I think about so. About yeah. five years ago. I believe so. Have you had incidents where you could have cried but you did not? in in after 2015 or you could say your life has been happiness and joy and bubbles all through to 2021 mm, no not really on a positive note yeah on the wedding day i almost cried <laughs> but you did not cry i was there i was so emotional gonna tell lies. i was emotional okay. I was, especially when it was my turn to walk down the aisle with my best friend and best man we were moving down the aisle and he saw me he realized you oh. <laughs> almost burst into laughter <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, um and I asked this question because I just want people to know that it's okay for men to weep. Yes, it's, it's okay. It's okay for men to wail. It's okay for them to sob, whichever way you choose to express your emotions. Mm. That that's absolutely okay. And it doesn't make you less of a man. Okay. And that is one of the things we've been trying to debunk. Okay, you can try and do it like Denzel. In one tear rolling down your face and try to and be hard. And looking eyes like Stanley looking uh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> oh let's see um I last cried last night oh what happened yeah um do you really want to know so uh, what did he say no it wasn't him 
Mm-hmm. I cried last night. I didn't wail, but it was one of those gentle, soft cries. Mm. And it was stemming from a place of insecurity. And um, I was coming face to face with my insecurities for the very first time after putting them aside mm. and, and hiding them in the abyss mm-hmm. for years. So, yeah, last night I just had a moment of being on my own. Mm. And yeah coming face to face with them and that is why i cried so it wasn't anyone's fault that i was crying it mm. was just um my own reflection mm. staring back at me mm. tempted to sing me uh-uh. <laughs> all right um question number two how would you like to be remembered that's very broad but let's say by people you've crossed paths with mm. that guy turned the world upside down in a good way of course in a good way i mean it, it's not of course you have you seen how people turn world, worlds upside down no when i said that's my vision by the my life my life's vision okay. to turn this world upside down in a good way of course yeah. primarily by daring kids to imagine again okay. i mean lately kids have lack an imagination yeah. when was the last time you apologized to anyone let me say to my queen i think a couple of weeks ago yeah, I made her cry. Uh, did that make you... How did that make you feel when you said, I'm sorry, and you meant it from the heart? Um, normal. Okay. I mean, it's what any human being in their right mind should do. Okay. As we wrap up, do you have a favorite quote that you've ever read anywhere? I'm going to quote a line that Dwayne Johnson quoted from Bruce Lee in Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. He said, the key to immortality is first living a life worth remembering. Ooh. Okay. Today's parting quote, I have two. One goes, A good man is kinder to his enemy than bad men to their friends. And Google says it's by Joseph Hall. And then the other quote is, um, Associate yourself with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation. It is better to be alone than in bad company. George Washington. Integrated from the Bible, bad character corrupts good morals. I think that that's what he was referring bad company. to. Mm. He just, you know, twisted. Mm. And that is exactly my choice for that is because bits of our conversation were um, based on that particular part. That's right. That that if you're going to do good by other people, be very vigilant of the company that you keep. Mm. Repeat that line from the Bible. Uh, bad company corrupts good morals. Okay, and with that, Eric, we've come to the end of our episode. Could you close with a prayer, please? Okay, um, let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for this opportunity to have a conversation between us, my precious God, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that we've been shared, Lord. Lord, you remind us many times, my Father, Lord, that iron sharpens iron as once, as a man sharpens the countenance of another, my gracious God, Lord. I pray that whoever listens to this podcast is sharpened, my gracious God, Lord, and whoever uh, is hosted in this podcast also sharpens another, my gracious God, Lord. We thank you, Lord, my Father, Lord, that you're giving us this opportunity to bring healing in all sorts of ways, my gracious God, Lord, for it is your desire, Lord, that we come closer to you, Lord, in our knowledge of you, in our knowledge of us in you, my gracious God, Lord. We thank you and we honor your beautiful name, Lord, for it is in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of Teas and Conversations. I really appreciate your time in listening and I hope you learned something. The goal is for us to do life together, but also become better than we were. Yeah, and... um. 
Before I go, I would love to just put it out there that on the 19th of December, Tizen Conversations will be recording its season finale. And I'm doing that with a group of uh, women. <laughs> I'm sorry, the men. I'm doing that with a group of women on the 19th of December. So if you're out there and you think you'd love to come and be a part of our little community, please do come through. I'll be very thrilled to see you. Otherwise, if there is anything you would like to say, don't forget to follow us on social media at Tease and Conversations or send us an email to teasandconversations at gmail.com. Until then, please take care of yourselves. I love you all. See you in another episode. Bye-bye.